Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with jazz pianist and vocalist Rachel Eckroth on the new 2023 CD, Humanoid. We caught up with her a few years ago, and it's great to have her back on the show. After appearing as a leader or co-leader on 20 albums as a pianist and vocalist, Rachel still finds herself wanting to explore that innate sense of musical identity without boundaries. She felt her live album, Humanoid, would be the perfect opportunity for that. She assembled a band of like-minded collaborators and recorded two full nights of live performance at Sam First in L.A. using the venue's state-of-the-art analog recording setup. We cover this new album, touring with the great St. Vincent, surviving COVID, and so much more. Dig this interview. Hello. Rachel, what's going on? Yes. Hi. How you doing? Not much. Good. How are you? Good to see you. You too. That St. Vincent show was, I, I, I can't even find the right words for it. It was it, it, that history of our world where no one had gone to shows. You guys are all so cool. You guys ooze of cool. Just like everybody Aww. on that stage. <laughs> You're so good. And I had no idea how talented she was. And just the way you guys all came together and the chemistry and the gelling. It was just so cool. Thank you. Anyway, I, I wanted to start everything off with that. It was an amazing show. So it's great to catch back up with you thank with this you. new project. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. So before we get into Humanoid, I want to know, you know, you're in this rock and roll world with St. Vincent. You have these different Venn diagrams that come together. How does it feel to get to a studio and make a jazz album? What What is that visceral feeling for you? Well, I will say that the the... Humanoid is not a studio album, if that's what you're referring to. Well, I guess it's just generally. Generally, yeah, just generally the idea okay. of having kind of different genres and slipping in the different realms. How does that feel? It feels amazing. <laughs> so, um, it you know, there's something about me. Uh, it, people ask me this question a lot, like, you know, how do I jump from genre to genre and like do all these different things and to me it's all like kind of one and the same it's just like music and things that i've that i've been influenced and heard my entire life and you know we're in a an era where like all all kinds of music is accessible you know i think you know if you talk about musicians from the 50s or something they're you know they're pulling from the records that they've heard from jazz before that, but we're a hundred years in. Yeah. And so there's rock and roll, there's funk, there's jazz, there's everything classical. And so, I mean, that said, like, I mean, I'm not that young, but I think even younger generations have even a wider uh, spectrum to pull from. But, but just, you know, basically when I'm in the studio or on stage or, just performing, playing, it's all coming from the same place. Yeah. Um, I just happen to be interested in a lot of different kinds of music. And that probably is also because I play keyboards. And so in playing keyboards, you, you know, something like a clavinet, it's like, okay, well, I'll go check out, you know, tr you know, uh, famous clavinet players or pieces or music. And it's usually in the funk era that you hear that. So, you know, stuff like that comes from playing all these different kinds of boards or like something that has a sequencer. So I'll be into like, you know, more electronic sounding stuff. And it's just, it's just exploration. And yeah. Um, yeah. 
I dig it. No, I love that answer. It, it just kind of, it all comes together. It makes sense. Um, I mean, it's kind of like asking somebody that's been around music their whole life, how did you get into it? When it's a part of who you are and what you do, it just exudes from your DNA. Yeah, I mean, it's literally in my DNA. You know, I come from a musical family. Obviously, yeah. you interviewed Mike and yeah. probably told you all the same same stuff. But Yeah, well, the, the, and the thing, too, is obviously the very clear clarification is this was recorded over two nights at Sam First. And I actually got to see that studio and interview those guys a little while back. And it's right next to the airport. And they yeah. just really built up this fantastic view of it what was it like to record and perform this album in there um excuse me it was uh it was awesome the first of all i've i've played there a few times already just as a you know the jazz club which i think they um i think they are always streaming their shows yeah um yeah. so it's you know it's kind of always this multi um recording media kind of thing happening there yeah um so i've played there a few times and and it's always been like a really cool it's a smaller venue but it's a good vibe in there like everybody's really there to see music and even the people that you know come off the plane or whatever and they see that there's there's a jazz club and they just want to go have a drink they end up really enjoying themselves at that club so um so there's that and then i the piano is amazing yeah. really nice piano um so it's fun to play on, and uh, and doing a live perform uh, a live uh, recording, you know the fact that it, it was two nights of recording took the pressure off a little bit yeah. because you know we're making a record, but obviously we can't use every take, uh, uh, you know, and put it on a, a CD or a vinyl. So in fact, the vinyl only has four tracks on it, yeah, which is crazy, but they're long tracks, so yeah. and quality. Uh, vinyl so it's a little thicker um but but yeah it's just like it was it was awesome to perform and and vibe with the band and just have fun yeah it's like less pressure than the actual studio yeah well you know the one thing too that's interesting is that we had this void of no live music for so long and i'm noticing there's a lot of live albums that are coming out was that a part of the architecture of getting this together and bringing it out right now or was it just this was just what you were going to do anyway it was kind of it was actually dave robert's um call you know he he put this label together uh, over there at sam first and um with paul i think his last name is solomon i don't want to get that wrong so yeah yeah paul solomon i'm pretty sure and yeah. um and so they put the label together and they i think they reached out to like five six artists at the beginning to do these live albums to get it started. And I think they're doing, I don't know how many they're doing, but anyway, he, he just reached out and I was like, that's a great idea. Let's do it. I've never done a live album. So. So what are you hoping the listener gets from this album? Well, I have made a bunch of albums where I'm singing, I'm playing keyboards. I'm like not really doing jazz and it, it's, it's kind of my, you know, I'm not going to say like stepping back into jazz because I never left, but I just haven't recorded a, a very straight ahead jazz album. So, um, and I, I started as a pianist 
and I, and I started as a jazz musician, you know, when I was about 15, I really got into it. And I, you know, went through school and did all the things. And I went to New York and I played with a lot of people and, and um, people tend to not know me as a pianist. Right. Just because I've just d done a lot of other things that are more on the public eye, I guess. Um, so this is like me stepping, stepping back in the light as a pianist. Isn't that interesting how life works, though? It's like somehow the circle comes all the way back around one way or another. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like we always come back to our roots no matter what we yeah. do. You know, yeah. um, how long was the St. Vincent tour? Well, it started in 2020 for the Daddy's Home Cycle. Yeah. When she she put that record out. Um, I guess it came out in 2020. I and think it, so. She put yeah, she put the band together, and our first gig was Saturday Night Live, so that was awesome. <laughs> but uh, so it lasted until last month. We did our yeah. final gig last month, opening for the Chili Peppers. Wow, in Pennsylvania. So, yeah, and then and I know she's coming out with another album. I don't know when, and I'm hoping to be on the next cycle of that. So, yeah, yeah. that's the thing that blew me away. I saw your Instagram post, and I'm like my God, that's a long tour. Like, that's just a huge tour. How do you recalibrate your mind from living on the road and seeing all of these magnificent places in the world and being around people like the Chili Peppers and all these other bands and Faulkner and all, and, and St. Vincent? I mean, that has to be just an absolute adrenaline rush continually. Well, yes. I mean, it's, it's great to be around great people, you know, um, and... I guess people that aren't so well known are also great people. So I just enjoy yeah. being around great people and people that make me laugh and, and we have fun. Um, but I don't know, recalibrating. I, I just came off a month long tour, which started with the St. Vincent gig. And then I went to Europe for three weeks and uh, I tried to keep up with regular life <laughs> yeah, right. while I was out there, but now I'm, I'm home kind of just like scrambling. I'm teaching at, I'm teaching at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Okay. So I'm in Las Vegas and, um, you know, catching up on my classes and, you know, kind of trying to see what's next. You know, when you're on the road, it's it's easy to just get in this, um, like, day-to-day, -day, like, you know, you're not thinking about what, what the rest of your life is doing. You're just kind of like, I'm here to do the gig. You know, somebody's going to make my bed in this hotel today and I I'll go eat some lunch. You know, it's like, it's a nice way to live, but it's also like, uh, I don't know. It's reality for some people, but it's like not reality in, in a way. But Well, it's the reason why VH1 had behind the music so successfully done in the 90s. That was the whole thing. It always centered around a lot of these bands being on the road and everything unfolding from there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So let me ask you a very jazz centric question. You know, the one thing over the pandemic was that there was a lot of people that were leaving big cities. They were, you know, people in school weren't sure that they were going to pursue a career in jazz. It seems like it's stronger than ever now. Seems like everything is kind of the tidal wave is kind of back up and cresting. What are you noticing about the community? Wow. I mean, I hope that's true. Um, I know I do. I do know like. You know, when I was living in L.A. and the pandemic started, a lot of people split, including myself. Um, we went to Tucson for a little while. Um, 
I have a story about that, but, and then, and I know, um, I heard stories about a few people like leaving music and going and getting like a tech job because they could make money, which was smart. I mean, because it's like, what are you going to do? Yeah. You have to survive. Um, and hopefully those people get, get to come back to music if they want to or whatever. Um, but I mean, what I was going to say about Tucson is a, a friend of mine, well, he became my friend in Tucson, Arthur Vince. He opened up a jazz club during the pandemic called uh, the Century Room. Yeah. And at first it was kind of like, oh, wow, this is like, this is a big challenge to like get, you know, what are they going to do? There's like pandemic, they, they're getting like, you know, not many people are going to come in and play in the city. And now it's just like, it's popping off. It's like, he's got everybody in there. You know, he used to work at the Vanguard in New York. So he's got all these connections to bring musicians out and they're, they're killing it down there. Yeah. And, and Tucson is not necessarily, you know, known as a jazz city. So. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think people are really, really trying to keep it going. I think so. You know, there was a, a musician in Kansas City. He's a very eclectic mix of talent. His name is Lonnie McFadden. He's a trumpeter, tap dancer, singer, and he got his own club. He got it. It's called the Reno Club, and it's named after one of the first famous clubs that Count Basie used to play in in Kansas City. So he got this in 2020, and I remember interviewing him. I'm like, how is this going to happen? And it just did. Just they, they made it happen, like with everything else. Yeah. They, had the mask rule people came in it was kind of an intimate gathering and it just all worked out and i think there was a lot of people like that that had the the gumption was much more than the reality that we were living through and they made it and now you're talking yeah. about how good they're doing and i know lonnie right now is has to be thriving you know that everybody's yeah. out and back at it well it's crazy because unfortunately like a few nice clubs closed down because of the pandemic you know so i don't know i mean it's weird how that works but yeah. you know it's good that people are still pushing forward and trying to make more venues happen yeah i heard that la specifically during the pandemic was a level of lockdown that was insane like beaches were closed i've, I've heard yeah. stories that it was pretty intense yeah, I, I think I I was there for about six months and then we left. Yeah. Um, and I definitely heard stories because my sister lives there and a bunch of friends. So, yeah, beaches were closed. Like, it was almost like, you know, you would get in trouble for going to the grocery store if you didn't really have to, stuff like that. So, it was, yeah, yeah I'm, I, it was probably that way in a lot of places, but I think it was intense. It was, there was a lot of Orwellian things going on there in the beginning. Like I heard stories about how neighbors were looking at, especially in New York, where they were looking at each other saying, you're not supposed to be out without a mask at this time of day. And it's like, wow, to think that society would get to that point. Yeah. Well, I guess when you like factor in the unknown, like at first it was like nobody really knew what was going on. Like what, how does this spread and everything? I remember being in my neighborhood, like, uh, taking a walk and and Tim Lefebvre, he, he pet, he was with me and he petted a neighbor's dog and I was just like, hmm, right. should we be touching dogs? Uh -huh. <laughs> like, uh -huh. Nobody knew, you know, nobody knew what was happening. So yeah. I can understand that people would get like freaked out. Yeah. Yeah. It was all very surreal. Um, so the one thing I did notice over that pandemic time 
is that of all of the artists that are out there, jazz musicians were probably the best well-built for it. You're always thrown into the unknown. You got to make the best out of it. And it's going to happen once. And it's like, I, I wish people would understand that more because that's truly the way the jazz musicians were walking metaphors for what was going on at the time. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I know in my career, and, and this is probably most musicians, but it's like, you know, you're here, you're here, you're here, like financially and maybe emotionally or whatever. So you're just used to like riding a roller coaster. So it's just another part of it, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so what are you doing as far as like live dates, anything to promote this album, anything jazz wise, what's going on or even otherwise? Yeah. So we're doing a, a release show on the third and fourth of November at Sam first. Right on. So cool. with the same band, with the same band. And then um, I've got a couple other little things happening in LA that I could mention. Um, I have a nonette that's going to play at the Baked Potato on December 6th. And I have a trio gig with um, Billy Moeller, who's in the same, in the humanoid band, and Jonathan Pinson, the great drummer. Um, so we're doing a gig at the club called ETA in LA. Okay. And then there's some, there's some 2024 humanoid stuff. Um, do you want me to? Yeah, if you want, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, if, if, yeah, if we're I mean, doing privy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, February 16th at Century Room, same band, and February 17th at um, at the Ravenscroft Hall in Scottsdale, Arizona. So Century Room is in Tucson. Um, so then we go up to Phoenix or Scottsdale, and then I'll do a month a month ish long tour in Europe with Tina Raymond, the drummer that's on that yeah. record, and yeah. Emma Dayhoff, a bass player. So, yeah. We're doing a Europe tour. Cool. So what is it like to be around a non-ed? When you really up the ante and get a lot of people, sometimes people really look forward to that, have to kind of reshift things. How does that work for you? For the non-ed? Um, well, it's it's something that I started a long time ago when I went to school in Las Vegas, which is full circle. Here I am yep. 25 years later. <laughs> and it's it's I've kind of had a hiatus with it. So it's I'm I'm relaunching it in December. Um, but I've had a few readings here in town and um, I just, I love, I love the, um, you know, the, the big sound that you get with six horns, um, but it's not a big band. So it, it, there's a, a little more freedom actually um, than like a traditional big band or large ensemble because it, it's improvisatory and there's like, since there's less people, there's just less to have to balance, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I love it. I love writing for large ensembles. So, yeah. <laughs> right on. So I gotta, I gotta ask you. You know, being on a big tour and seeing so many different cities is something that most people don't get the chance to do. What was one of the most surprising places that you visited that you just didn't expect? You were just like, wow, I didn't expect this it was magical or there was just something that was special and it's not cherry picking um, a city and kind of competing i just just something that was special well you know i i just did a record a recording two weeks ago in athens yeah have you been there no so i've never been to greece 
but just flying in it was like flying to heaven it was like so beautiful the water looks so different and the skies are beautiful and then the city of athens is like wild it's kind of crazy like um i stayed in a just a neighborhood it wasn't even really in the touristy area um and the sidewalks are just like <laughs> it's a mess but it's also like quite beautiful and the people are really nice and it's like the food is amazing and it's just it's really chill yeah which that surprised me actually because you think athens is like this old city and it's uh -huh. you know there's a lot of people and it's you know whatever it's greece i don't know but they're super chilled out there and and it was a great time the closest i ever probably got to anything like that was rome rome to this day, and I don't know if it's my Italian blood in me, was just an absolute magnet to me. There was something, it was it was majestic at night, it felt different by day, it's this cradle of civilization. I remember a cell phone going off in the Colosseum and I was like, wow, that's a clashing of just yeah. time frames, you know what I'm saying? But just the feeling and just the way you, the thing about being in old antiquitous places like that is you realize how young America is. Like when you're mm -hmm. over there, it is like centuries that you're dealing with. And then you come yeah. here and it's a couple hundred years. It's like we're, we're new kids. Yeah, it was crazy. Like um, I did a, a little walk through a trail that was like near where Socrates <laughs> hung out. You know, it's just like, what? What? That, that's... <laughs> I know, exactly. <laughs> but that's like, okay. Cool. Yeah. yeah. But that's just, that's one of the beauties of not only having the thrill of making music, but you get to see the world. And when you get the chance to do that, how does that enhance your music brain, the way that you write and approach notes? Does it change? Um, I don't know. I think it's all it all coincides together, just like the timeline of my life, you know, as as I go, I you know, I feel like I get better. Mm -hmm. You know, I experience more musicians and more music and I hear more things. And I think it's just growth. Yeah. I think it's just a lifetime of growth. Um, but I, I, that said, I, I don't think it would happen if I just stayed in one city for my yeah. entire life. It might not be the same. Yeah, absolutely. Rachel, if anyone wants to learn about shows, get tickets, pick up the, the new album, whether on vinyl or otherwise, where's the best place to go? Okay, so to find out about me, Um The Humanoid album is available on SamFirstRecords.com. So samfirstrecords.com. And um, and then, you know, there's there's also my older album called The Garden, which if you don't have it, get it because it's lovely. Yes, I agree. <laughs> it's not just me. It's a lot of people. But yes. um, but that's that's available uh, every like streaming right now. I think the physical copies that it's not not available right now. So but yeah, um, just online. Cool. I'm everywhere. <laughs> okay, excellent. Rachel, it's so good to see you. It's great to catch Thanks. up. Best of luck with everything. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players, singers, and minds in Las Vegas, New York, LA, Kansas City, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Rachel for coming back to Neon Jazz and for all that tasty music and her time. If you want to hear more Neon Jazz interviews, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us at YouTube, and for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.